So many people with dementia sit at home and they don't do much of anything. You know, they sit in front of the television. And of course, that leads to depression and more inactivity. I think it's because the caregivers don't understand what they're able to do and how to encourage them. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and an international presenter on how to respond to dementia behaviors. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no, I'm not going to forget <laughs> your wine, my love. You know, I don't really believe that people fully understand that dementia is global. And as you have said many times, it's a global tsunami, or in other words, um, an undeclared global pandemic. Absolutely. It is huge worldwide, and, and we're... We're sharing that information more and more as we get guests on our show from different countries like the United Kingdom and Canada and Australia and Ireland and now Singapore. Um, and I think the more that we can pull together as a world community, the better off we're all going to be. And that brings us to today's guest who comes to us from Singapore and is a board member of Dementia Alliance International which is the only dementia organization with full consultative status granted by the United Nations. She is also a member of ADI, Accreditation Global Review Panel, WHO Global Dementia Observatory Focus Group, and Dementia Singapore's Voices for Hope program. She was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment with a probability of young onset dementia in 2017. She is active in her advocacy on dementia rights, rehabilitation, employment, and enabling environment locally, regionally, and globally. Please welcome to the show, Emily Ong. Emily, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be here with both of you. Very inspiring when I come to uh, read about how the whole thing gets started with your father-in-law, Roger. Yeah. yeah. That's what we call now a gift that we didn't know that we wanted. And it wasn't always an easy gift to accept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But you know that's an understatement. <laughs> but you know, it's a it's a pot of treasure that you know you people turn whatever that you go through, which is no one is ever prepared to uh, not to walk on this journey. But if people can turn it around and turn into a so positive, and now you are sharing, you know, your your wealth of knowledge and experience with other care par- partners, and that is incredible. I salute. Well, we have to salute you right back because you're doing the same thing. I mean, you're doing amazing work. And the fact that you have been diagnosed yourself um, and are reaching out in in such a generous way to help others is definitely why I wanted to, to talk to you. So tell us about when you first realized that, you know, you might have some cognitive impairment in and what you were doing before that, and how that changed what you're doing now. Oh, okay. I started to have uh, uh, some kind of, uh, what do I got mixed up my, because I work as a special, uh, as a learning consultant for children with special needs. And then, uh, and as you know, special needs is one area whereby there is a lot of uh, crossover and, and things like that. So I, I start to get the, the, the symptoms mixed 
between one from another. And then there was one time when I gave the uh, strategy for one of the child living with uh, autism plus ADHD. And I get it confused with some other special needs uh, symptoms. And so the so you can imagine that the strategy that I proposed to that family is it, not appropriate, it's not correct way. And uh, I didn't realize it until much, much later when I refer back to my notes. Then I find out, why am I saying, why am I making this kind of suggestion? Then, but it never crossed my mind that I am having, starting to have issue with my connection. I thought that, you know, it could be because of too many things to handle in one go. So it's just a source of, you've forgotten about it. But uh, then, um, then there was this one, one morning whereby I cannot remember how to make French toast, which is something that I had been making for my children since they were very young. And that day, that morning, it just suddenly, suddenly just nothing. I cannot recall. I even have no impression that I have made French toast before. Mm-hmm. So at that point of time, it was a blessing that my elder daughter was first year medical student. And she just had attained uh, her, her what you call the neural aspect of the brain function. And her professor happened to talk about, you know, if somebody who had been doing cooking all the time and suddenly not able to do that thing and struggle with it, that is a sign that there is some kind of cognitive impairment. Yeah. So that is how it got started. Well, how fortunate. <laughs> how fortunate yes, that she took very, that class. Very fortunate. Yeah, yeah. So that is how it gets started and uh, my my journey in getting the diagnosis. But it was not easy because uh, young onset uh, dementia, like in any parts of the world, is very new. And especially in Singapore, it's even uh, almost unheard of. Uh, When I was uh, uh, went to see the doctor, the the you know, it is uh, something like, you know, he, he, he just straight away assumed that um, my biggest issue is memory because uh, Alzheimer is the, uh, the the one that is the most common, right? Right. So, right. yeah. So, so then uh, he just assumed that I have the Alzheimer and young onset Alzheimer. Yeah. Even though my, my issue is not memory, my issue is with the, uh, with uh, executive functioning and uh, like and then also my language. So that was, uh, of course, I was misdiagnosed for young onset Alzheimer and uh, was on an uh, excellent patch for, I think, about a few months, six months like that. And then after that, and found that uh, no result come back, the lumbar puncture come back, skin come back, ensure that I don't have Alzheimer. I don't have the towel, I don't have the tangles and things like that. Yeah, so that I, then the medication had been slowly removed. And then after that, you know, more diagnosis needs to be done. And uh, until now, uh, it, I just have the, uh, what you call on the provisional FTD, not frontal temporal dementia because mm-hmm. of my language and my executive functioning. But there is no confirmed that it is that yet. And uh, despite, uh, so many years have passed. <laughs> so, you know, what you're sharing with us is another indication of how difficult it is to actually diagnose um, dementia 
and what form it is. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we hear people ask who are new to this world, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to tell them, if somebody says you have dementia, you need to ask them what kind of dementia you have. It's like somebody saying you have cancer. You don't just say, okay, I've got cancer. You got to know where that cancer is and how it's affecting your body. Yes. Yeah. I guess people get confused between dementia and Alzheimer and all the other types of dementia, even no need to talk about. Uh, people, uh, you know, it, I always tell them that, you you know, uh, I, I'm not sure whether in, in US you have this issue or not, but in, in where I'm, I am, from where I come from is that we, we tend to say, ah, do you use pampers or not? We will recommend young, young parents to use pampers. Actually, we are not actually buying that brand called pampers. We just assume that all disposable diapers is called pampers. <laughs> you know, so that is this, uh, uh, call people get the confusion between dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, People who don't know will think that the two are the same. And then there are certain people who know there is a difference, but they don't see what is the difference. Suddenly they heard about vascular dementia, you know, frontal temporal dementia, liver body dementia. Then they say, huh, these are also dementia. And where do they come in? Which part of the dementia and Alzheimer's, where they you know, where, where do they sit? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, you heard about... For 30, 35 years now, you've heard about Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. And it's only been fairly recently that you've heard about the other dementias. Yes. And so there's that familiarity with Alzheimer's. Mm. People know it because they've heard it um, from, what, the 90s, the yeah. 1990s. <laughs> and the other ones are, are fairly new in the news cycle, right? Yeah, all right. So... Uh, it's understandable that people are confused that there's Alzheimer's and then there's dementia, one side and the other side, when Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. It's under the dementia umbrella. Mm, yeah. So in, in looking at your, your bio and the information, and you know, I announced at the beginning of the show that um, you're a board member of Dementia Alliance International, the only dementia organization with consultative status granted by the United Nations. And I had no idea that the United Nations was involved in this in any way. Right. Can you tell yeah. us something about that? Because, you see, uh, when we talk about uh, the people's rights and things like that, it is about uh, the United Nations. It is about the rights. And uh, to be and uh, for for us at Dementia Alliance International, the one very strong focus, focus point we want is to fight for the advocate strongly for the rights of individuals living with dementia. So it's a human rights issue. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a human rights issue, and uh, it is also a place whereby we can sit on the what you call attend the meeting. And then put forward, and you know, uh, our things that we 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 propose and, and things like that. Basically, we have a, a seat on the table. So so Dementia Alliance International is the only organization you know, that have that status and you know, not to attend. And then uh, even 
Alzheimer International doesn't, ADI doesn't have that status. So we, we are very, what you call, very blessed. And that, uh, that the United Nations recognize uh, our work. And of course, this has much to do with our, uh, our chair and co-founder, Kat Swaffer, who is, I'm sure you will have known about her. And she, she really is uh, all the way out to really find a gift, create the awareness and that there is a voice for people living with dementia in this kind of uh, global organization. Now is the DAI group. So yeah. you have like the Red Cross mm-hmm. that goes internationally and does things and helps does the DAI do anything like that? Oh yes, DAI is uh, is actually is a registered body in uh, United States, and then uh, and then we we have people or members from all over the world. And like for me, I'm from Singapore. So what we do is that we provide peer to peer support group. Again, this is globally also mm-hmm. done over Zoom, and then also uh, help others who are. Like, uh, for example, take me for example, when I was uh, beginning as an advocate, uh, it is Dementia Alliance International that provide me a platform and guide me on how to do this advocacy. And and that is, and then uh, we, we have webinars whereby we attend and gain more knowledge. And so I provide the training so-called and support and up to countries that have people who are living with dementia who want to step up, but we we don't have uh, our own local people, a local advocacy group to help us. So that is where we get that kind of support. So that is how and you know, I started my advocacy in Singapore. Right. Yeah. Now you're. Um, advocacy is environment and dementia, a special interest group. Am I correct? Um, or is that something yes. different? That is one of the projects that I initiated, but not under the umbrella of Dementia Alliance International. Right, right. That's something that you started yes. locally, correct? Or actually Glo- globally. globally. It, it, it started because I always believe that, you know, a lot of the issue that are uh, related to people living with dementia, having, you know, those BPSD, that is the term that is very famously being used. Well, a lot of this is because mm-hmm. of the environment. The environment is just uh, not able to be assessed by people living with dementia because of our cognitive impairment progression. So we are in, put in a situation whereby being disabled, so that frustration, not able to participate, and then all the activity being limited. So to me, is that there is need to emphasize on uh, the environment. And environment is not just about you know, the physical environment accessibility, but it covers many aspects. And so that is how this uh, support, uh, this special group started. And now uh, we have people from uh, all kinds of uh, uh, professional expertise, not just on environmental design, but we have people who are on uh, neurologists, you know, eye consultant, because to, to me, and also gerontology, because all these different people, 
can come in and offer their views and and you know, ways on how to make the environment more suitable and accessible. Right. Yes. Now there's the program here in the United States that kind of stalled due to COVID called Dementia Friendly America, where mm. groups go into individual towns and meet with business owners, doctors' offices, police departments, fire departments, and and teach them how to make their stores and their businesses friendly to people with dementia. And because I consider it an army of millions doing this alone because people with dementia and their caregivers are not very often seen in the community because, you know... Mm. The behaviors. It's difficult. It's difficult for many people with dementia to be out in the community. But when they have the opportunity, if they go into a dementia-friendly restaurant where there are tables set aside for them and people are educated uh, and Mm -hmm. how to be patient with them, that kind of thing. So that in itself is changing the environment. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So so that is basically, uh, you know, uh, one of the ways of dementia-friendly environment, or actually we prefer to call dementia-inclusive. And now basically, if an environment that can be matched and uh, accessible to people living with dementia, that is with cognitive impairment, it is accessible to almost everyone. And uh, because uh, with our cognitive impairment, even people living with uh, special needs is able to access to it. Because for people living with dementia, we have people who have PCA, not posterior cortical atrophy, whereby visually they are not able to process what they see. The eyes are okay, but the brain at the back, you know, the, the, the optical nerves is not able to process what they are seeing. So they are, you know, it's, it's just like visually impaired. There's a family that's in my local support group where her mother has dementia and they, they're just having that issue come up. Mm. You know, the eye doctor says, you know, the, the, the eyes work fine, but she's not processing the visual. Yes. So so that is why I feel that if an environment can have provide an alternative, you know, to to in terms of accessibility, you know, then you are talking about communication accessibility already. And that is something that uh, uh, currently dementia friendly community I uh, doesn't really look into communication accessibility True. by people who are living with dementia who starting to have this issue, you know, either that because of the progression of the disease, they gradually develop, have this vision problem, or people who straight away have this uh, atypical Alzheimer, which is PCA, they from very start already, they have this visual issue. Mm-hmm. So that alternative communication mode is very important and that is not available and look into in dementia friendly communities so so basically this special uh, interest group that I, I started is to look into every aspect you know all the possible aspect based on what we know about people living with dementia encounter and how can we incorporate this into it yeah. That's why it's so important for us to seek out and find people like you, because as much yeah. as we know, there's so much we still don't know. <laughs> yeah, every day I'm still learning also, yeah. even though I'm living with dementia. 
It's only through, you know, when I interact with other people who are living with dementia, who are different from me, then I get to know. I know, like, for example, I have language issue, but if I want to come across body where semantic, uh, not language issue, uh, not aphasia, very serious, PPA, you know, it is entirely a different dimension of the problems. And what can we done? And not in terms of the environment, how can we make it that they are able to be included in and continue to live the way of life, and not just like you and me like that. Unfortunately, yeah. so many people with dementia, they, they sit at home and they don't do much of anything, at least here in the United States, sit, you know, they sit in front of the television. And of course, that leads to depression and more inactivity. And, and, and in large part, I think it's because the caregivers don't understand what they're, what they're able to do and how to encourage them to, to move and to get outside and do things. Yeah, that is a big issue, even in Singapore also. And uh, to get the care partners to understand that once you are diagnosed with dementia, it doesn't mean that suddenly you know, the person lost the total ability right. to have a purpose in life, not able to function at all. Uh, this thing happens gradually. I mean, like, you don't get dementia overnight, right? We all know that it is a progression. It's slowly, it, it has been happening 10 years or so. Have something happened in your brain gradually, and then suddenly, the pop, you know, you start to have the symptoms when the brain can no longer, you know, compensate. The brain is a very efficient organ. And uh, whatever they can, they compensate it. And uh, so it is when the symptoms appear is when the brain say, okay, I cannot compensate it anymore by, by myself. So I need you, the external factor to come in and compensate. One of the things I want to touch on is when you agreed to be on, on the uh, podcast and it was mentioned the DAI, mm. I went to their website Mm. And I noticed that they have a monthly webinar, mm. a meeting of the minds. I had yeah. no idea that something like this was going on internationally and globally. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Mm. Oh, yes. It is uh, one thing about uh, DAI is that uh, we are very proactive in searching for the best speaker, uh, very knowledgeable people to come in and share their knowledge so that people living with dementia and also their family members or even professional, they do sign up to attend it. And the purpose is to provide a form of education. Right. And, and the fact that it is organized by people living with dementia, say all that, you know, even though we live with dementia, we are still able to do many things. <laughs> yeah. As you and Dr. Butte are, are prime examples of that, and we also spoke with Norm McNamara in the United Kingdom with Louis Body Dementia, who's doing amazing things mm-hmm. in, in the dementia world. As we, you know, we get close to the end of time, what message is most important for you to share with us and our listeners today? Well, I guess the most important thing I would like to say is that uh, rehabilitation is so important. I'm not sure whether in U.S. how is the, uh, no, the accessibility to rehabilitation, uh, but I would like to emphasize that to maintain the functioning of the person living with dementia over a longer period of time and also to make caregiving journey a little bit easier. And, uh, 
that uh, rehabilitation, early intervention of rehabilitations for people living with dementia is very important. Now, again, I mentioned in your introduction that rehabilitation employment also was listed in there. Mm. And, you know, that's something that, you know, I have uh, worked on presentations to take to employers so they could assist caregivers, you know, who could keep their jobs. But now we're talking about having people with dementia in the workplace. Is is that part of your program too? Yes, that is a, a very important part of my uh, my work in Singapore because uh, we try to get uh, people, especially with uh, young onset dementia, who are at the milder stage, you know, at the beginning stage of dementia, so that uh, they can still maintain their occupational role in their life. But it, it is not going to be like a full-time job, but uh, it's like, you know, I one week, I report to work for a few days in a week, so I still have that sense of responsibility, sense of uh, dignity as a as a person who brings my uh, no, bread to the table. I can still earn an income. And while we do struggle to get a uh, company to, to come forward to partner with us, but uh, there have been quite a success in uh, in in this area, and uh, we just want to make it. And you know, to have more of these people coming forward to support this idea. Yeah. Well, someone in your position and with your education and your intelligence, um, with the kind of responsibilities that you had, did you have any kind of pushback when you let your people that you work with know that you had these cognitive issues? Well, for me, is uh, I think, again, because I work with special needs, so the the people that I work with are more understanding. And uh, and another thing is that because WHO also, also announced that dementia is a form of fire disability, and that really helps in making people to understand. So I still go around. I now I no, no longer give a one-to-one consultant basis, but I still help out in school. And uh, impact uh, with parents and teachers to support children who have special educational needs, but in mainstream education. So, and then they all know that I'm living with dementia. I make it a point that they know that I'm living with with dementia because I do need their support. Because sometimes I am I I do get things confused and uh, things that whereby I if I get stuck in my conversation or in my thing, they can help me right. in with, with words and so that the parents can understand what I'm trying to say to them. Yeah, so that, that partnership and that understanding is very important for them to know that, you know, that I'm living with dementia. I I still able to contribute. I still can do my, you know, special needs, you know, uh, uh, advice, give the advice and things like that. But I do have issue. And when I have issue, how can I be supported by them? Well, Emily, it's been an absolute joy. You are an absolute delight to have on on the program. Thank you. I'm just amazed at how, you know, you said you have some difficulties with language. And other than you have an understandable accent, (laughs) I didn't see you have, Mm. you know, my father had an accent coming from Italy. So, um, Mm. but other than that, you were able to 
uh, express yourself uh, very well. And um, I'm, I don't see that you have a problem with language personally, but, but <laughs> yeah, that is with, I work very hard and, uh, and, uh, and you are because happen to touch on a topic that is very dear to my heart. Yeah. And, and it's something that every day I live with and uh, conversation on this is something that I have to do every day also. So that's uh, repetitive. So it's sort of uh, come naturally for me. But if I do have an everyday conversation, that is not dementia related. Like some, I talk to my family, I have a lot of struggle. I will have a lot of this, this, that, 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 that. Sometimes, you know, it makes them go nuts because they don't know what I'm talking about. You know, you know, that, 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 that what <laughs> they will tell me that I will, I cannot find a word I will describe to it and then go run big round the bush <laughs> just for one word. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and as I said, you were absolutely delightful. And, it, and we're, we're glad that we got to see you because your smile yes. is just just yes. wonderful to see. And I am so glad that I found you and found um, Dementia Alliance International. And I know that we will be in touch beyond this program. And as Mike said, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. And and do do sign up for for the you know our webinars and our upcoming webinars is a very good one it's about environment uh and all the, the the authors who wrote the book on the which is now in the adi website and now the the, uh, the environment and impact yeah so 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 do you uh, know we we welcome people to sign up and uh, because our we are very proud of our webinars High quality. <laughs> we will, and we and we will share that information. Absolutely. Well, you know, having her here, you know, I mentioned a gift mm -hmm. at the beginning of the show, and having her here was a gift as well. And I definitely like the term dementia inclusive environment. You know, along with dementia friendly. Right. One of the things um, that she talked about was how they look into. Um, every aspect of dealing with the person, not just one area, but uh, a complete area. That was, that was kind of interesting to me. And also her uh, phrase where she said, dementia is a, a gradually acquired disability. Man, that is so succinct. In Enlightening, I made that, that same note, thinking of yeah. dementia as an, as an acquired disability. As opposed yeah. to, this is a disease, you're sick, um, let me take care of you, let me do everything for you. Um, right. Absolutely. You can find more information about Emily on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. 
Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.